Well, back in uh, the Christmas season, uh, we wanted to do something fun. How many of you like to do th- fun things? Like to do fun things? You know, there's eight Grinches in the room. You don't like to do fun things? Remind me. Uh, uh, let's get them on camera. I'm not hanging out with them. Like to do fun things. So we got the pastors and we went down to Breakout Birmingham. How have you ever done that? Anybody want to go to Breakout Birmingham? Yes? Yeah, all right. You broke out. Clearly you're not still locked in. If you don't know what that is, it's a cool little game, team game, that you go in this room, they lock the door, they give you the rules, and basically you got to, like, find all kind of crazy clues, and you got to work together as a team, and if you find them, you get out, and if you don't, you don't. And so you got an hour. you got one hour, and the clock, it's talking about something painful, the clock is counting down like this every second as you're staring at it, and you go, go. Now, as funny and as goofy as you think the group of pastors you got in this church are, boy, when that clock went on, that door shut, it was all business. I mean, they were like pulling stuff off, paneling off the walls. I mean, you know, they had already told us all the things not to break, and I'm so glad because we didn't break most of them, but uh, we did break a few of them. But uh, we're digging under stuff, looking in things, looking for clues. You know, uh, you should have seen us. It was, it, was like, it was like lemmings running off a cliff, basically. We were running crazy looking for clues everywhere in the room. And here's the thing. Every clue you found would lead you to another clue. And then you'd find another clue, and you'd find another clue. And you didn't know if you were finding the clues in order. You didn't know if you were finding them out of order. You're just pulling on stuff, solving stuff, reading stuff, using everything in the room. And one room would open to another room. And, and, and you, I don't want to give anything away if you want to go. But there's one really, really cool piece. Uh, Pastor Joel... Our, our uh, family pastor, he, he found this little magnifying glass that was on like an extension golf club that had a light on the end of it. And so he's walking around everywhere going, I know i got to magnify something and light it. I know i got to ma- move. I know i got to ma-. He's putting it in our ears. He's putting it around everywhere. He sees a hole in a box, jams it in there, and lo and behold, there's a clue upside down in there. Woo! Imagine how much fun we were having in there, unlocking stuff. So here, here's the thing, though. It, if you're missing one piece, you're never going to break out. Never going to break out. And, and just because you have maybe even the best piece, you don't break out. But I wanted to show you, our crew, by the way, uh, the first thing our crew wanted to know is, what's the record? Because we're men, basically. We don't know the record. We don't know how good we do. And here's a picture of us after we broke out. 53 minutes, 24 seconds. Give your pastors a great big hand. They are awesome, awesome people. That's our time. 53, 24 and you'll see the clock, uh, how much time, there's our little clock, how much time was left. We wanted proof that we got out, so, you know, we can, we can do things. We're smart. We can do things. Uh, we're good at things. We're good at a lot of things and stuff. And so we wanted to prove that. But here's the thing. If you're missing one of the pieces, you're never going to break out. And even if you have the hardest clue to find, no matter how well you have it, you're not getting out until you have all of them. Now watch this morning. This is the way our spiritual life is. We're never going to have a breakout spiritual life until we have all the pieces. Part of God's kingdom is good, but we'll never know abundant life and we'll never know renewal until we embrace the whole kingdom in every part. We may start off with a bang, but we'll end with a fizzle. Hosea chapter 6 verse 4, we're reading Hosea 6, 1 through 3 every week this month. Every Sunday, that's what we're going to look at. But I want to go one verse further before we get into it because I want you to hear what God said to Israel about their love and about their incomplete love. They had one of the pieces, but they didn't have all the pieces. Listen to this. What can I do with you, Ephraim? That was a sort of a metaphor for Israel. What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, 
like the early dew that disappears. So you just wanted to look at that this morning. Think about that. Your love is like the mist. How long does that last? A few seconds. Imagine God saying to you, your love is like this. It's here, and then it's gone. You see it, and then you don't. Your love is like the morning mist. It arrives every morning, but then it's burned away in the sunlight. And that is what your and my spiritual renewal will be like if we engage only part of God's kingdom. I have spent nearly 25 years in four states, pastoring in different churches, working with people's spiritual life. And I've seen people start off with great heat and great passion and great hunger and then that heat melt away. And I've asked myself for 25 years, what's the difference? Was this person sincere and this person wasn't? Did this person mean it and this person didn't? What's the difference? Is it? What is it? And after all that time, I've kind of come to a conclusion that the difference is not about sincerity or non-sincerity because I know people that are sincere that start off with a bang and then cool right off. What is the difference? The difference is a failure to embrace the entire kingdom of God. The failure, just like we couldn't have ever broken out of that room without every clue, you're not going to live the abundant life God has to give you without every piece of the kingdom of God. So we said this morning that a renewal is a returning experience. Six months ago, God spoke to my heart and said, I'm bringing renewal to Kingwood Church. What I've been trying to figure out is what does that mean? And as I read the Bible, one of the things that I see clearly is renewal means return. You can read it all through the Bible. Renewal means return. When God is getting ready to do renewal, he sends somebody in front of that work to prophetically call his people to a return. Return to what? Well, return to a lot of things. We said last week a return to God. Meeting God in a fresh way. Returning to God. Returning is a process, we said. As we keep returning... He revives us and He restores us. And our love is not just like a mist. Our love lasts because we keep returning and keep returning and keep returning. But here's the thing, and this is what I want to share with you today. That returning is only one piece. That returning to God is only one piece of renewal. By my count, there are four. And if we stop our renewal, we'll heat up and then burn right out. Why? Because renewal cannot be sustained by one piece of God's kingdom, it's only sustained by all four pieces. We can't just keep returning to God and returning to God and returning to God and that's it. That's not it. And, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. So if you have something to write with, I'm going to give you three really important principles about this returning to the entire kingdom and what it looks like. Here's the first thought. If you return to part of what God is doing, you will only have part of what God wants for you. If you return to only part of what God's doing, you will only have part of what God wants for you. Now, I want you to look at Hosea chapter 6, 1 through 3, and I want you to notice how many times we read the word us or we or our. Hosea 6, 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. Who's returning to the Lord? He has torn who to pieces? It's not, it's not magic. Come on. 
See, complicated. Who's he going to heal? Who's he injured? Whose wounds is he bound up? Yeah, sorry. I know you're us people. We, we messed you up there. After two days, who's he going to revive? Yeah, you had to read it closer that time. On the third day, who's he going to restore? Who's going to live in his presence? Who's going to acknowledge the Lord? Is the verse up there? Okay. I, I thought I said it wrong. Who's going to press on to acknowledge him? As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to who? Like the winner right now. Do you think this is written like this by accident? Our one piece of renewal is returning to God. Now watch this. The second piece of renewal is returning to spiritual relationships. One piece of renewal is returning to God in a fresh way. The other one that God is intimately calling and inviting us to is returning to spiritual relationships. There's a reason the scripture is written the way that it is. God views his people in plurality and as a community. He doesn't look at us in isolation from all his other sons and daughters. He sees us in a family sense. Now, God's always had a community of people who follow him. In the Old Testament, it was Israel. In the New Testament, Christians are the new Israel. God reveals himself through Christians, and he renews the people who follow him. But that renewal doesn't happen in isolation. You and I are not renewed alone. You cannot experience abundant life alone. If you don't have spiritual relationships in your life, your spiritual renewal, all, regardless of how hot it starts, it will cool off, uh, cap off, and, and it'll dull down. Let me give you a quick example in Matthew 5. Jesus tells this story, he says, Matthew 5, 23. If you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're working on your relationship with God, I'm worshiping God, I'm offering God a gift, this is between me and God. If you're offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. First go and be reconciled to them. And then come back and offer your gift again. So you got a guy here that's worshiping God. And then he remembers that he has conflict this way with a Christian friend. And what does God say? Stop worshiping. Don't come back and worship again until you go and make this relationship right. And then come off your gift. Now, what did we just see? What's the principle we just see there? Your human relationships can hinder or help your relationship with God. They'll hinder or help. Let me say it another way. There comes a point in your vertical relationship that you can go no further until your horizontal relationships go deeper. Until your spiritual human relationships go deeper, your vertical relationship with God can go no further, you get stuck. When you don't have spiritual relationships in your life, you will struggle sustaining renewal. Your relationships will hinder what God wants to do in your life. So you've got to connect to the family of God. You've got to connect to spiritual relationships because the family of God is life-giving. And I'm going to show you that uh, in the scripture. Now look, I know this morning that I'm going uphill. I know this morning that I'm flying dead in the face of, of the DNA of the American culture. But here's what we've got to come to grips with. 
Is this part of God's kingdom or not? Is God calling us to this or not? Is this a way renewal happens or not? We don't get to just come back to God and renewal the way that we want to or the way that we always have. We've got to come the way God calls us. And then you'll see an explosion of spiritual life. Now, I know, unfortunately, we live in a culture... I want want to say it like this because this thought has dominated my mind for a while now. We live in a culture where relationships are not sacred. There's no sacredness. There's no... There's very low value on relationships in our culture. Sometimes we view relationships like we view technology. It works good for a while. It makes me feel good. But then that wears off. I install a new operating system, and then that begins to break down and fall behind. And next thing you know, I need to throw that away, and I need to get the newest technology. And so we tend to approach relationships that way in our culture. Greed and gain dictate so much of networking and business relationships and business decisions, and people are use entertainment in the business industry, exploit people for gain. We live in an overtly sexualized society that just uses people. Betrayal and divorce and unfaithfulness all violate the sacred nature of relationships. Furthermore, we live in such a mobile society. People are constantly moving, changing neighborhoods, moving to another state, moving to another job. And that mobility creates a great chaos in relationship and disrupts our ability to really root and connect. Technology has given us the illusion of connection without any substance. You can, see, you can see that we don't consider relationships sacred. You can see it in dating relationships. You can see it in, uh, too often in marriage. You can see it in work relationships. You can see it on Facebook. It's very painful to get onto Facebook and watch somebody end a relationship publicly on Facebook. It's painful. It's painful to see people talk to each other the way that people talk to each other on Facebook. It's painful, the words they use and the names they call each other. And it's because people don't matter. Relationships don't matter. And the American church has created an unprecedented version of consumer Christianity that the world's never seen. We pick our kids up from kids' church one Sunday. We, We load them up in the car. And the very next Sunday, we walk into a completely different church. And we unload them there. And we sit and we worship there with no consideration or thought about what we did to the people we left behind or what we did to ourselves, Because relationships aren't sacred. And unfortunately, the American church just doesn't see relationships as a spiritual thing. But the question is, and this is the question I came to ask you this morning, how does God see it? And what does that have to do with spiritual renewal? See, we can't just return to a relationship with God. Watch this. We have to return to spiritual relationships. Those crosshairs will create a dynamic that will make spiritual life live and make our renewal grow. Our renewal depends on it. It's not just about me, and it's not just about me and God. This thing can't just be about, it's so American to say, you know, my relationship with God and me and God. And and it's so, 
It's so slight, but it's so easy for us in our culture to, to individualize and to personalize and to become the center of our own spirituality. God is the center of our spirituality. We're not. And it's so easy for us to do that when we just have this. But when we have the tension of this, I mean, that's where conflict comes in and disagreements and forgiveness and all kind of things have to happen. Relational healing. It's about God and his family. So here's what I want to show you this morning. I want to show you this picture uh, of, of, a, of a bucket of water. So you see this picture. Here's what's happening in our spiritual life too many times. God is pouring in renewal and he's pouring in refreshing and he's pouring in uh, spiritual life and he's pouring all these things in. Uh, but we have holes in our soul, so everything or most of what he pours in keeps running out and running out and running out and running out. And if we're not careful, we say, I feel like a hamster on a wheel. The harder I run, the, the, like it's good for a little while, like I fast and I pray and do my devotions every day. And the only thing I can think of is do more, work harder, do more, work harder, do more, work harder. Because there's so many holes in our soul. And that refreshing is pouring out. We have holes because we have no spiritual relationships. Or we have holes because we've embraced one piece of God's kingdom, but not all four pieces of God's kingdom. And we're going to talk about those uh, every week this month. We talked about return to God last week. We're talking about today return to spiritual relationships. So, so the things that God is putting in just keep running out. And we don't know why. Hosea chapter 6-2 says this. After two days he will revive us, on the third day he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. This is a powerful, powerful concept and powerful Hebrew word, that we may live in his presence. Do you know what the word uh, for presence is in Hebrew? It's the word face. That we may live in his face. Now, a face is a powerful image because if I hide my face from you, I'm avoiding you. If I turn my face away from you, I'm rejecting you. But if I turn my face directly at you and I give you my attention and I look you in the eye, I'm longing to connect with you. And God says that we may live in his presence. He will revive us and he will restore us that we may live in his face. That we may live really close in his presence. The vision that God has for renewal is a return to spiritual community in the face of God. That his people would be connected to his face. Now we see this concept deeply rooted in the first church. Acts chapter 2, 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, look at the four things they devoted themselves to. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. We don't have time to break all those down. Let me just give you the word we're focusing on this morning. The word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And here's what it means. It means fellowship or close association or participation. Fellowship, close association, or participation. And so the Bible says that the Christians in the first church were committed to fellowship. They were committed to, they were committed to this. They were committed to the, to the horizontal relationship. And, and what's interesting in the word koinonia, if you trace it through the New Testament, in the book of Luke, koinonia means this. 
Koinonia means close spiritual relationships between Christians. Watch this. Close spiritual relationship between Christians. Koinonia also means close spiritual relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is a community. God is an association of relationships among the Godhead. And koinonia, Luke uses it to describe the connection between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are intimately connected. And he uses it to to talk about the connection between believers. Now, when Paul the Apostle comes along and writes about a third of the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, on and on and on, he uses the word, uh, widens it a little bit. He uses it to mean Christian relationships. Watch this. But he also uses it to mean the close relationship between Christians and Jesus. So koinonia is the, is the glue, the stickiness, the connection, the participation, the engagement, the involvement of believers with each other, of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit with each other, and the community of Jesus with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Koinonia is that invisible and tangible connection and participation every direction you can think of. Now, what does that mean? I, I don't know everything it means. I know two things it means. It's spiritual and it's close. That's what I know for sure. It's the presence of God in his face. Now, here's the second thought this morning. God's presence fills your life through spiritual relationships as much as it does through prayer. God's presence fills your life as much as through spiritual relationships as it does through prayer. So if all you're doing is praying, then you got holes in the bucket and that spiritual life is running out. But if you have the presence of God connected to your soul through prayer, through koinonia and koinonia, now you have a container that God can use. Now last week we said the way to know that you're in renewal is that your relationship with Jesus has become more important to you than before. Let me give you the third principle today. How you know you're in renewal is when spiritual relationships become more important to you than they were before. Those relationships have to... So, here's the question I want to ask you today. How are your relationships going? How are your spiritual relationships going? Now, I want, what I want to do is just wrap up. I want to tie all this together this morning. And I'm going to quickly give you four spiritual relationships every Christian needs. Here's the first one. Every Christian needs a Paul relationship. We're just going to call that a guide or a mentor. A guide or a mentor. Now, if you don't know who Paul was, Paul was an apostle. Paul was one of the early followers of Jesus. He was one of the early church leaders. He wrote about a third of the New Testament. He did missionary journeys all over the known world at the time and planted churches all over the world. He always had someone younger with him that he could strengthen. If you look through the New Testament, you can count. Paul had 19 different people who traveled with him on his missionary journeys. Some of them he led to Christ. Most of them were younger than him in faith, and he spent his time on the journey investing and pouring into them and mentoring them. It reminds me when we were in Honduras last summer, uh, I'm so excited about what we're going to do in Honduras. I'm so excited for you. We're going to take three trips to Honduras in the next three years. I'm hoping you can be on one of those trips. You're going to see one of the great works of God in all the world. Pastor Bill Strickland, missionary Pastor Bill Strickland, 42 years he's been in Honduras, 
planted a church there about 20 years ago. That church, and, and if you see the area, Honduras has never had in many, many, many decades a real strong work of God, a real move of God. That church is 10,000 people. I wish you could have been there with me the Sunday morning when I preached. And the interpreter that stood beside me, the translator, and translated my sermon from English into Spanish. I wish you could have seen him. Man, he is locked, and he's fun. I mean, I'd like to buy a ticket to watch him. He's on it. I was thinking, if I could be half as animated as that guy, we'd be all right. I mean, he would, he, like, like when I was making a point, and, and he was waiting on me to translate, he'd be looking like this at people. Like, it's coming. It's coming, don't move. I, I, I was mesmerized by the guy. He's in his early 30s. He was an older teenager when that church started. He helped Pastor Strickland plant that church, and Pastor Strickland and his wife taught him English. And he learned English from Bill, and he's risen up and discipled and grown up in Jesus, and he's become a first-class Christian, and he's a powerful minister today. And he's a, he's a translator. And, and he was, as far as I could tell, I don't know Spanish, but as far as I could tell, flawless. But, but here's what I saw. Wherever Bill Strickland was, people were growing. Because to be around Bill is to be mentored. He invested in people. I, I remember we were, it, it's, it's, I don't even think he knows he's doing it anymore. He's done it so long. We were, we were uh, in a room and he, he was, uh, I think he had sent somebody to go to the store to get something, gave him some money, and they came back. And uh, he was, he was, uh, doing that exchange and when the guy left the room he looked at me and he said hey and I want to give you a clue in Honduras if if you give someone money to go buy something and they come back don't ever count the change don't count the change because he said that is a deeply offensive thing in this culture and the relationship may never recover because it expresses deep distrust and it's better to lose the change than to lose the relationship that's what he said to me. So we're at the hotel one night, and this young Honduran guy in the foyer goes, he sees that we're American, and he says, hey, I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, you know, there's so much violence in our country. What's your perspective of Honduras from, as an American? And so we talked for a while, and it, it became clear to him, we needed some water. So he said, I'll go around the corner. He said, back where you got to go to the store get water. It's very, very dangerous for you. But if you'll give me the money, I'll go get some water, and I'll, I'll come back and bring the water. So we sent him around to go get the water. He came back. You know what I did? I did not count the change. Where did I learn that? Bill. Who do you have in your life that guides you? As a Christian, you need someone to look up to. Someone who guides you. Someone who asks you difficult questions. And, and I don't mean for life. I don't mean forever. It doesn't have to be the same person for 40 years. It could be a person for this year or these few years or this season or whatever. But if you were in an absolute jam and you had to have spiritual guidance from someone, who would you go to? Here's the second relationship. A Barnabas relationship. We're just going to call this a spiritual friend. Now Barnabas was a close friend of Paul the Apostle. His name means son of encouragement. He's mentioned 31 times in the New Testament. But watch this. This is one of my favorite things about Barnabas. We don't have one recorded word of his. Go through the New Testament and find one thing Barnabas said. Here's my imitation of Barnabas. He didn't say anything that we know of. He was a peer of Paul's. 
So he and Paul were equal. And actually, on one of the missionary journeys, although Paul gets all the credit for it, Barnabas was actually the leader on one of the missionary journeys, and Paul was the assistant. Now, this is a, a relationship as a peer, a friend, someone who encourages you to be faithful to God. He knows you well. This person knows how to read your facial expression. They understand your heart. Either way, this is a friend that's with you. This is a person who wants to grow in God with you. They want to grow in God, and they want to grow in God with you. When I was at Southeastern, I had a guy that, in uh, college, I had a guy that came by my room one day in this whirlwind. I knew him, but I didn't know him extremely well. And he said, you know what? He said, I want you to know something. I've been watching you. And I thought, oh, no. (laughs) Not that. And he said, I just feel like that you have a good relationship with God, and I want a prayer partner. Would you be a prayer partner with me for this semester? And I said, well, okay. And I said, what do we do? He said, let's just set a time, and we'll meet once a week, and we'll just pray together for an hour. And we did. We did for months. And, and the rich fellowship and growth and strength that we gathered off each other. And that guy is now a pastor in North Carolina. He planted a church there maybe 15 years ago. And uh, Ron and Suzanne, our former pastor, have been there at their church to minister many times. But that relationship was a powerful Barnabas-type relationship for that season of my life. Who encourages you? Who knows you? Who wants to grow with you? Here's the third relationship, a Timothy relationship, and I'm just calling this influence. Timothy was Paul's closest assistant. He was the co-author of of either six New Testament books or delivered them to the church they belonged to. Paul called Timothy his son and the Lord and his co-worker. Now, this is the opposite of the Paul relationship. This is the Timothy relationship. This is looking at it from the other side. This is a younger believer whose life you're investing in. This is the person, listen to this, this is the person who says, I want to be more like God because you are. Who in your life looks at you and says, I want to be more like God because you are? Who have you had that kind of influence on? Who wants to to grow in Christ because you're growing in Christ? That's your spiritual influence relationship of influence. Here's the last one. I'm just going to call it a Zacchaeus relationship. An unchurched friend. Zacchaeus was a wealthy tax collector and he was curious about Jesus, but he didn't have a relationship with God. Jesus reached out to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus as a result ended up becoming a follower of Christ. Uh, uh, And actually, Uh, When Jesus reached out to him, he went over to Zacchaeus' house and stayed with him for a while and ate, and they struck up a relationship. And through that relationship, he became a follower of Jesus. I don't know if this is true or not, but according to church tradition, Zacchaeus followed the apostle Peter to Palestine and became a bishop there. According um, uh, uh, According to Clement of Alexandria, Zacchaeus took Judas's place as the disciple when Judas hung himself. I don't know if that's true or not, but early in the history we find that. Now, whenever Zacchaeus uh, ended up, wherever he ended up, one thing's clear. Through Jesus reaching out to him, he became a follower of Jesus. So here's the question this morning. Who are you building a relationship with, a spiritual relationship with, so that you might introduce them to Jesus? Who did you invite to Scrooge? Who's on your prayer list? Who are you bringing to Easter service? Who are you sharing your faith with? Who have you shared your spiritual story with? Who have you shared the change that Jesus made in your life? You should have known me before. 
I mean, I might not be great now, but I was terrible then. And man, can I just tell you what God's done in my life? So, how are your spiritual relationships? Let me ask it another way. How spiritual are your relationships? Let me ask you a question you've likely not heard. Is God's presence in your relationships? That's koinonia. That's koinonia. The presence of God fills spiritual relationships. Now look, this is the whole reason that we have life groups in our church. We have life groups in our church because it's the best shot that we've got to develop spiritual relationships so that life change and renewal can keep happening. In a couple of weeks, you're going to get an email from Pastor Clark, and it's going to have our brand new life group guide on it. And you're going to see all the life groups that we got, and we're going to have 10 or 11 new ones. And you can see those groups. Now, I just want to encourage you. If you're not part of a life group, I want to encourage you to try one of those. Just try one of those. It's the best chance that you and I have to find spiritual relationships. In two weeks, on two weeks from today, you're going to come to church and, and a lot of our groups are going to be uh, in the foyer and you can meet the people who are leading the groups. And you can become, you can sign up and become part of one of the groups for a semester. Why, why would we do all that? Why would we do all that? To give the opportunity for spiritual relationships to grow. To let the connections happen. Now, relationships are in a challenge in our culture, and I get that. Some people have been wounded by ex-spouses. Some people have been wounded at work. Some people have been wounded by parents. Some people have been wounded by pastors. Some people have been wounded by churches. Some people have been wounded by all kinds of relationships. Leaders of all types, teachers, coaches, wounded in their life. And I know relationships in our culture are very complicated. Some of you this morning have deep trust issues, and you got them honestly. But, but here's what I just want to say to you. Your spiritual renewal depends upon your spiritual relationships. You will go so far, and you will cap out. If you have this feeling in your life, like I keep coming here, and then I start over, and I keep coming here, and I start over and I, and I keep advancing in God and I start over something is stopping your forward momentum in Jesus and it might not be spiritual relationships there are other things but it might be now if you're in one of our larger life groups uh, you may be sitting here thinking this morning hey I'm already in a life group but I don't have any of those relationships in my life if you're in one of our, our bigger groups that, that could be challenging because just because you show up every week and spend time with a group of 25 to 60 people and you hear teaching and you pray together doesn't mean that you're connected. So what you may have to do is look inside that group and pray and say, God, show me someone that I could be in deeper spiritual relationship with in this group. Show me someone that maybe one of these relationships could happen. Help me to find a Paul or a Barnabas or a Timothy. Your spiritual renewal depends on it. Now you, you may be sitting here this morning and saying, Hey, look, I hadn't even finished what we talked about last week. Now we got like a whole other job. All these things I'm supposed to go do now. Listen, 
don't have to finish anything. You just have to start something. You don't have to finish. We're talking about things that it takes our whole life to finish. Thank God we don't have to finish by next week. You come back next week, I have a whole another thing. But start. Start somewhere. Today, start. So here's what I want you to do. Would you stand with me this morning? And I, I want you to, um, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. And I just want us to pray together. Man, a, a big part of renewal is prayer. Prayer team, would you come? A big part of renewal is prayer. And here's what I want you to do this morning. I'm going to pray with you. But I want to invite those of you who need specific prayer, you can just spontaneously come. If you have a relationship in your life and you say, God, during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm asking you to heal the relationship. I'm asking you to heal the wound. I'm asking you to restore. I'm asking you to tear the walls down. I'm asking you to to let forgiveness flow. Maybe there's a relationship wound in you. And one of your big prayers in this time is, God, I'm asking you to heal the wound in me. Then, then I, in a minute, I want you to come, and I just want you to come to one of the prayer teams and say, would you just pray with me? Would you just agree with me that God's going to help? And I'm telling you, God's going to help. Would you just pray with me? Would you just agree with me? Would you, would you just pray with me over this thing? Maybe you aren't even very specific. But as we pray together, I'm just going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to respond. And let the Spirit do His work in you. Lord, I thank you this morning for your grace. I thank you for the love of God. I thank you for the koinonia, the connection of relationship. And Lord, this morning as we pray, I ask you to do the work of renewal inside our heart. Free up and remove the hindrances. Remove the barriers. Remove the scars. Renew the, re- renew the, remove the wounds. Renew, remove the things that have been hindering our relationship with you. Heal the broken pieces. Lord, we come today and we stand in for those we know who are apart from you. And we ask you to renew them. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that renewal. I thank you for what you're doing. If you need prayer this morning, I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. Just just keep playing. Just hold on. I want you to come right now. If you want to stand in, if if there's healing in a relationship, I want you to come and stand in. Maybe it's a parent and a child. Maybe it's a a family. Maybe it's an extended family. I want to come today. And as they're coming, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody else, I want you to look at that list on the screen. And we're going to pray together, and I want you to ask God to show you one of those relationships that you can grow in. I want you to ask God to help you see which one of those relationships you you need to reach out, you need to take a step. Which one of those is this season? You maybe can't do it all at once. Lord, this morning as we look at that list, the Paul, the Barnabas, the Timothy, the Zacchaeus, God, I pray today that you would show us this morning where's the next relationship step for me? Where's the relationship that I need and that person needs in our life that renewal may do its deepest work. Lord, show me how to find it. Show me how to connect. Lord, teach me and show me. I pray this morning. Would you just call that relationship by name? Lord, I pray for a Barnabas relationship this morning. I pray today for a Timothy relationship. God, I pray that in this church, 
that Zacchaeus relationships will be formed in this city. Lord, I pray today that uh, uh, Paul relationships would be developed, grown, strengthened. And God, I pray that the koinonia, the presence of Jesus Christ, that we would live in your face with each other. Lord, I pray today that you would let those things live. Would you just pray with me now and say, God, I pray that you would let those relationships live. Bring those relationships to life. Show me, show me. Put somebody's name on my heart. Put somebody's name. Here, here's what I, just pray with me for a minute. Ask the Lord for a specific person. God, bring somebody's face to my mind. Bring somebody's name to my mind. Put somebody on my heart that I need to be in a relationship. Just like Glenn came by my room in Southeastern years ago and said, God put you on my heart and I want to be a prayer partner of yours for this season. And that relationship did so much good in my life. And Lord, I pray that you would do that now, that you would lay on our hearts that Paul, that Timothy, that Barnabas, that spiritual relationship, that Zacchaeus, as we're praying right now, if, if a name or a face has come to mind, would you just lift your hand and say, man, somebody came to my mind when we were praying today. Would you just lift your hand and say, somebody came to my mind. Would you just leave your hand up now and say, God, now I pray for this person. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would strengthen them. God, I pray your power and your, your strength and your wisdom and your renewal over their life. Lord, as iron sharpens iron, I pray that there would be a connection that would happen and your presence would fill us and your presence would heal the wounded relationships in the body of Christ, in the family, and in this city. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Before we leave this morning, would you just open both hands and would you just pray this one simple thing with me? Would you just pray this, Lord, I want your presence. Through every means you bring it, bring your presence to my heart through a relationship with you and bring your presence to my heart through spiritual relationships. And Lord, I pray that you would bring your presence somebody else through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Our prayer team's here if you